Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Inside Purple and Gold. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to Inside Purple and Gold. I'm Dane Mizutani alongside Tom Schreier. It's Wednesday morning, um, two days after the Vikings officially hired Brian Flores to be their next defensive coordinator. Huge hire, home run hire. Um, Tom, Like, how important was it that they made this hire, though? Because... We'll talk about all the people that they interviewed and how the mm-hmm. process went. Um, but your first reaction when you saw Brian Flores was the guy, and, and, and how big was that? Yeah, I mean, I think they got the best person, right? And some of it was out of their hands. Uh, I kind of wonder if uh, Quasi was caught by a, a local reporter down in uh, Mobile, Alabama, talking to Flores, and I wonder if he was like, do you really want to go to Miami West? Like, I know it's a head coaching job. It's a little more money. You have a little more control, but uh, it didn't work out great for Cliff Kingsbury and you have Kyler Murray on a big contract. So, you know, I don't know. I, you know, we don't know exactly what happened there, but we do know. I think he skipped a second interview with Arizona. So he made some sort of conscious decision that like, this is a better opportunity. Um, I think this is good on O'Connell too. Um, not only do you have someone who's super, super qualified, he got someone who's very much the opposite of Donatello. This is an aggressive guy, um, pretty progressive thinker in terms of how defense is done and it's moving away from the Vic Fangio scheme. Um, I also like that he brought in a Belichick guy. I think it's very funny that O'Connell was drafted in 08 by Belichick, right? Yeah. And that's the year that he hired Flores. Now, granted, they were there for like two years together or something like that. Um, but I do, I like the idea that you're kind of merging kind of the McVay set, right? And the this, this Belichick guy in there. And it is a big name. I mean, good on him to bring in someone who's in that head coaching realm, who certainly is well known because he was on ESPN because he is suing the National Football League. Um, Also, someone who's had success as a head coach. This isn't like, you know, think of like the conditions in Miami, the fact that he's the first coach to have back to back winning seasons since 03. I mean, this isn't like a guy who like washed out and went, you know, three win, four win season and was gone. Like this guy's pretty qualified. So I think it's a good thing for the organization for O'Connell. And just probably for the defense in general that, you know, you're just you're completely doing a different thing than um, Donatello was. And it should work better, assuming the personnel is there. Yeah, let's jump into the scheme here in a little bit. But just to kind of detail the process that it took to get, you know, the Vikings to hiring Brian Flores. Right. They fire at Donatello. I think it's like four days after the season. Everyone knew that was going to happen. It happened really quickly. It actually happened a day later than. I would have mm-hmm. hoped it would nice to ask Kevin O'Connell about that at his. So they have their like post-mortem press conference. He's asked about Ed Donatel. He says, we're working through it. Like 15 hours later, they fire Ed Donatel. To be expected. 
Um, I think that's what everyone wanted. And frankly, it needed to happen after what happened in the playoffs. So after that, they interview three candidates officially. Uh, Ryan Nielsen, who quickly takes the job with Atlanta. Same job. Mm -hmm. So Ryan Nielsen was brought in, um, former assistant coach with the Saints, immediately takes the job with Atlanta, and, and things never really got far with the Vikings. Sean Desai, assistant coach with the Seahawks last year, interviewed with the Vikings to be their defensive coordinator last offseason. I think he's someone that me and you theorized, like, mm -hmm. was their fallback option, right? Like, it was like, okay, he's a young guy. I think he's 38. Um, the Vikings ha were familiar with Sean Desai. He learned under Vic Fangio at, at certain points during his rise. But he wasn't, like, the top-tier name, like Brian Flores, who also interviewed in that initial round of interview cycle. Well, then Sean Desai pulls his name out of the hat or, you know, out of the running saying basically mm -hmm. like he's going to focus on becoming the next defensive coordinator to the, the Denver Broncos. Maybe, maybe he could feel that he was the backup option and, and didn't want to be left mm -hmm. with no job um, if the Vikings went a different way, but you have Ryan Nielsen and Sean Desai both kind of remove themselves from the situation. The Vikings also interviewed Mike Pettin, um, assistant yeah. coach, their own assistant coach last year, who, if Sean Desai was a fallback option, uh, I think Mike Pettin was just someone that you just give an interview because he was in the building. Um, mm. I, I don't think anyone felt great about if Mike Pettin was the defensive coordinator of the Vikings next season. So the four interviews are Nielsen, Desai, Pettin, and finally Flores. Last week, or I guess over the weekend, it, it, it becomes widely reported that the Kevin O'Connell, who has a connection with Ijero Avero, former defensive coordinator of the Broncos, that the Vikings want Avero. Well, Avero won't get let out of his contract by Sean Payton, who's the new coach of the Broncos. I'm sure Vikings fans feel a certain way about Sean Payton not letting one of their <laughs> candidates uh, interview with them. So finally, the Broncos do let Avero out of his contract, and he immediately takes a job with the Carolina Panthers. So... I'm curious, Tom, where were you at last over the weekend when, like, obviously this is a big hire to get. Yeah. But when they're missing out on, on Nielsen, who leaves right after interviewing with the Vikings, on Desai, who doesn't want to, to interview with the Vikings anymore, who on Avero, who the Vikings really wanted but never got a chance to formally interview. And then you have reports that Flores is the front runner to become the next head coach of the Cardinals, leaving Flores and Pettin as the only candidates and all roads looked like they were pointing to Petten for a little bit there last week. Yeah. How are you kind of feeling about the whole process when, when you look at what the Vikings kind of went through um, before making this, this big splash hire? Yeah. Kind of step-by-step. Step. I think the thing with Petten is I think sometimes it's a little like the head coach coordinator dynamic where all of a sudden like a guy who's a great coordinator is a bad head coach. And then they're like, well, why did you hire him as your defensive coordinator? You're like, cause he is literally one of the best guys at doing that job. You know what I mean? It's not like the, the head coach somehow uh, that that position like ruined his, his intellect on that side of the ball or whatever. Um, I think with Petten, this is a case where he's been the defensive coordinator, I think at three stops, Green Bay most recently, again, like looking at what the uh, the Packer writers we have have written about him, not a big fan of his. He's probably a right fit in the assistant role, right? And he was, he's was he been a consultant before and stuff. I mean, again, like I think he's in the right seat. Don't remove him from that. That is probably the backup, backup plan. And you do your due, due diligence on the guy in the room. Um, I think people really got into Averro. And I think something to point out here, and again, I'm not really evaluating him as like X and his O's scheme guys, just in terms of their background. 
not only does he have the O'Connell connection because he was with the Rams, and I think that's the crossover, um, but he was with the Niners, I believe, when Quasey was there. So, th- so it makes some sense that like he's probably the continuity guy in some ways, right? It's like Quasey knows him, O'Connell knows him. Uh, he also maybe is more likely to stay, right? We'll probably get into like Flores might just be gone after next year, but um, you know maybe there's they felt like hey, he's just kind of coming in as part of the system. I do like the idea of not only bringing an authoritarian, right, a whole different kind of personality, personality that seems to fit defense, but also kind of the Belichick side, as I said. So that's why I guess I prefer. Flores. I also think this is such a funny move by Sean Payton that he was like, no, no, you can have him. And then he just scurries off to Carolina and like, he just goes and grabs the Vikings backup plan. I mean, that dude, that dude is full of spite. There's no way he isn't right. You think like the Minneapolis miracle, the fact that he was doing the skull chant and all of a sudden, you know, breaks down on him. And then the Vikings uh, go and beat them in in New Orleans (laughs) a couple of years later. Like part of me thinks that like Sean Payton, he's probably like kind of a despicable guy, but like really, really smart football person mm-hmm. um and also when um someone leaves and skips out on the vikings for carolina you start thinking does this mean that like people just don't believe in the personnel right they don't yes. see a pathway to a cornerback one they're not fully sold that like patrick peterson has a lot left in the tank that he'd even return to minnesota that duke shelley you know what i mean like there's some unknowns with him mm-hmm. uh given his size and the fact that chicago just let him go and then there's kind of the linebacking thing too, like like who is the successor to Anthony Barr or Jordan Hicks, if you want to see it that way. What does Kendricks have left in the tank? All this stuff. So as much as I think the defense has some components there that are valuable, it is not filled out by any means. And I don't really understand what their pathway is to that. So that, you know, if we were sitting here today and Flores took the uh, Arizona job and everything went haywire, right? And you're looking at kind of Mike Patton in a potential other interview somehow, I'd go, man, I think it's the defensive personnel scared him off. So in some ways, maybe this is Flores being like, hey, Belichick wins with dudes off the street all the time. I can do it too. Maybe this is just he's, he was sold on the pathway. Maybe that's what him and Quasi were talking about in Alabama. Um, you know, whatever it is, you got you got the coach, which is the first step. And it just feels like they're like still three steps away from actually figuring out how this defense functions in next season. The personnel thing is definitely something that popped up in my head throughout watching guys drop off or pull their names out of the running right like it, it seemed like all of these candidates who who were worthy of, of becoming the defensive coordinator choosing not to be the defensive coordinator of the vikings or choosing not to to put themselves in the running any longer to your point had everything to do with well why would i want to work with this group of players um you know why would i want to work with a franchise that and Donatello had his warts for sure. Yeah. But also became a scapegoat, right? Like mm-hmm. that's what my mind went to when when you see guys kind of dropping out of uh, out of the canvas. Which is why uh, another big reason the hire of Flores was so you know immense and you know as far as magnitude goes. He's look, he's not going to fix all of the personnel problems. But the fact that he's willing to come here, I, I think, speaks to like the idea that okay, maybe the maybe the personnel is not as bad as as we thought, or maybe this mm-hmm. guy can can get more out of you know certain players than than Donatello did. There is something about that too. Like <clears throat> Donatello had his warts. Donatello was working with the defensive players that were given to him, but Donatello wasn't getting the best out of these players. No. 
um, not by any means. And, and you could argue at, at certain points he was getting the worst out of the players. Um, you look at a guy like Harrison Smith. Like, is he old? Yes. Mm-hmm. Is he past his prime? Probably. But Harrison Smith thrived on, you know, hiding what he was doing pre-snap and and then doing it kind of instinctually, um, reacting in, in, in that sense. And, and Donatel's defense really just had Harrison Smith playing center field a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, just kind of waiting for plays to come to him rather than than making things happen. So I look at a guy like Harrison Smith and I look at, at Brian Flores, who I'm not going to pretend to know all the intricacies of his defense, but I know he sends a lot of pressure and I know he, he disguises a lot of his scheme. Um, just your brain would say, well, Harrison Smith's going to look a heck of a lot better in that scheme than he did in one that just sat back and waited for, for offenses to throw into them. So mm-hmm. I thought there there was something about the personnel scaring off some of these candidates, uh, but now that I, I now that we know that Brian Flores is taking over, um, I can kind of turn my mind to like, okay, are are there players that need to improve, or are there 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 groupings throughout the defense that need to get better? Absolutely. But this guy took the job knowing the people that were in place, um, and he, and he wasn't afraid of. So I, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing, like, one, how much the defense changes, but two, like, how much he can get out of the players that, that maybe we think, because of one bad season, um, are kind of on the way out. Not going to pretend I know the X's and O's, but this is from Alec Lewis, who had it right up in the athletic. He said in 2021, so this is Flores' last year in Miami, his defense used six different fronts. Some featured three down linemen, others four. Um uh, often had like uh, six secondary players on the field. So you got to imagine like Harrison Smith not only will play a role as kind of, it seemed like Donatel just leaned into him as the veteran. He's like, hey, things are going to break down in front of you because this defense is all messed up. You got to fix it. I think he's all, it, like Flores is going to go, hey, we're going to get you in the backfield and, and hit the quarterback. And then um, the way the Dolphins deploy their defenders was the poor opposite of last year's Vikings. While Donatel's defense showed a too high safety show look pre-snap, Flores' Dolphins defense ran, in 2021 ranked dead last in the NFL in too high safety show. So, like, you think back to that, like, the Eagles game, right, where they got exploited right away. Yeah. Um, and uh, Troy Aikman was on the broadcast criticizing the shell defense from Donatel. Um, again, I felt like Donatel wouldn't say it, but he was basically like, look at our personnel. We have to play it safe. Like, I can't get too upset. If Jalen Hurts, who, by the way, like at that time, it felt like insulting that Jalen Hurts was playing that well, he is in the Super Bowl, right? You know what I mean? So, like, so, you know, we have to, perspective is important going all the way back to week two. But I think, you know, given Mike White also had a good game, Mac Jones, right? Like, I think, I think Flores is probably more likely to, while he'll see the faults in the players, probably disguise things, probably just lean into their strengths. Think of like Asimo's speed, right? He, assuming Caleb Evans is healthy enough to play, like he probably will have some trust in him. And then, you know, he's got to hope not only that Kwesi does a good job in the draft here to um, supplement what, what uh, the Vikings defense, but also like is, do you get a healthy booth and scene, right? Because those are supposed to be hard hitting impact players. And if you talk about all these, all the secondary on the field, I guess the assumption again, like Quasi's probably going to him going, we have something scene got hurt in London. It was a freak thing. He's going to be a good player. And with booth, he's probably going through his pre-draft evaluation. Right. And he's like, this is why I took a risk on us. I think it was a second round pick that really had like first round talent. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I don't know. Ultimately you're getting the polar opposite, right. But you're like, this works if, 
we're confident that the Vikings have something in their young players, because I just don't know. Again, if you look at Osamo and Kendricks, there's just a speed difference, right? You know, like um, Zadarius Smith had a lingering knee issue and you're always worried about his health, you know, think, think through all these kind of liabilities. Kwesi must've had a, an explanation for everything and, and kind of a solve for all these, at least that floor is bought into. For sure. Yeah. I, 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 I look at that picture that kind of circulated from, I think it was the shrine bowl, right? Where, mm-hmm. where it was, yeah. And, and I'm trying to like theorize what, what they were talking about. Um, it could yeah. be everything you just said. It could be just like, you know, what's up, but like, I yeah. do think there was some convincing involved, like, Hey, we have pieces here. Like it might not see seem like it, but, but we do. I also think like, Part of this, and and you've kind of hammered this home throughout the last couple of weeks, is like maybe Flores just didn't want to go to Arizona. Like yeah. maybe they told him no. Like we don't know that. We don't know the, these details. Maybe they told him no, and, and, and that was enough um, to kind of for him to, to say like, okay, I'll take the DC job with, with the Vikings. Or maybe he looked at this as like a stable situation that can help him get his next coaching job, right? His next head coaching job. But Brian mm-hmm. Flores is not with the Minnesota Vikings for long. Um, if not next season, within the next couple, within the next few, I believe he will be a head coach in the NFL. <clears throat> right? Yeah. This is like another step forward where he was an assistant coach last year working with the linebackers and kind of like a special defensive, you know, an extra defensive coordinator that didn't call plays with Mike Tom. Right? Yeah. That helped him kind of take one more step back up the ladder. Now he comes in and works with Kevin O'Connell. Kind of the, you know, if if Kevin O'Connell is this happy-go-lucky, laid-back California cool guy, I think Brian Flores kind of fits into that to a degree, but he also brings a little bit more, I think, like sandpaper to like the coaching stuff, right? A little bit more, you know, discipline. That's not to imply Kevin O'Connell's not disciplined. But just the the yeah. that that Brian Flores kind of coaches with that we've seen complements Kevin O'Connell perfectly. I think maybe he looked at Arizona as like this organization has not been stable ever. <laughs> the and, head coaches in and, the former head coaches in Thailand right now. <laughs> yeah, the coach changed the whole franchise, drafted a new quarterback, came in yeah. off the streets. Worked there for two and a half years and then booked a one-way ticket to Thailand as he basically quit. So, yeah. uh, and the ownership's not much better. Um, you look at Patrick Peterson and, and obviously how how, how they treated him. Yeah. yeah, how he feels by that. Like, there's a lot of things in Arizona. Like, it, it's hard because you, you never know when your next head coaching job is going to pop up, right? Yeah. And if Brian Flores truly removed himself from the head coaching discussion, um, it's a risk because you never know if you're going to get another chance. But to that, you know, the opposite side of that coin. If you take the Arizona job, things go sideways because that's just a cluster of an organization over mm-hmm. there. And and you fail there, then then you may never get another head coaching job. So if he comes to the Vikings, if he succeeds, if he's able to turn another thing is they're the 31st team in total defense. Yeah. 32 teams in the league. It's not going to take much for him to show improvement, right? Yes. So yes. If he can take this group, show improvement. He's going to get looks elsewhere, um, probably in more attractive destinations at the end of the day. Um, I, I think it was a home run hire for the Vikings, but I really think it's a good fit for Flores, too, as he kind of tries to work his, his way back up to being a head coach. He, t- he took the, do- I think the Dolphins defense was something like 
uh, 29th in the league when he took over the last two years he was there. I think they were in the top 10. I mean, like he's capable. I, again, I don't know if the Vikings will be a top 10, you know, but he should be capable enough to bridge the gap, right? The offense needs to give you a little more. I think they have to be a 30 point per game offense. Uh, I know it was offense in general was depressed in the league, but like there's talent and they're spending so much money on it. It should be that you would think that he brings them closer kind of to, to halfway. I think the other thing is if you come up, right, it's his first job, Flores, was in New England, right? And if you come up, I think he was, I think that was 2008 to 18, right? You spend whatever that is, 10 years there. And then you go to the Dolphins and you're like, oh, this is how like other football teams are run. And then you go to the Steelers, right? And the Steelers are kind of like, they're in that mix of like one of the best run organizations. Obviously, Tomlin, I think one of the best co coaches in the league. Absolutely. Uh, I think this says something about, Flores that he may have improved his standards. It's a little hard because it's like the teams that aren't well run are the ones that constantly churn through uh, head coaching. Right. And it's like, it's hard to hard to jump aboard one of the better organizations. Right. But like um, this also says something about the Vikings. He is suing the league. Right. And has very serious allegations. And I think in some ways the Vikings are saying, Hey, we're buttoned up, man. We're doing things right. We're not paying people to lose, you know, all this stuff. Yeah. And I think, you know, I do think the Wolves aspire to be kind of an ownership group, kind of like what they have in Pittsburgh, right? Um, or what Kraft would be to uh, mm -hmm. to New England. So it's kind of kudos on both ends, right? That Flores kind of in some ways is endorsing the Vikings with this, and and the uh, um, and the you know like they're bringing him in despite this lawsuit and whatnot. And and we know like once Tomlin hired him, we knew he'd get another job, but like that was in limbo for a little bit. That was a bold move by Tomlin. It's something he'd do. So I don't know. I think that's a good sign for them. And maybe they're banking on like, there aren't going to be that many good head coaching jobs opening up. Right. And maybe that's where they think there's going to be some continuity at the very least. Like that's a first world problem. If you're like, Hey, Flores was so good. He got hired. Be like, great. They kind of needed him to be because you had the 31st defense last year. So I don't really know how the Vikings lose in this situation now that they've made the hire. We've talked about like the revolving door that was Mike Zimmer's offensive coordinators, right? Even if Flores is spectacular this year and gets hired next offseason, <clears throat> that's not the same thing as like a revolving door that it was under Zimmer, right? It wasn't like Zimmer's offenses and offensive coordinators were amazing and, you know, the foundation was set. It was in place for whoever the next guy was going to come in and that they were going to succeed. Zimmer's offensive coordinators left because either they stunk or they did not get along with the head coach. Mm -hmm. So if, if, if Kevin O'Connell hires Brian Flores, Brian Flores flourishes in this role and he leaves next season and you're, and you're looking for a new defensive coordinator, that is not the same thing as, as how Mike Zimmer was constantly looking for an offensive coordinator. Right. Yeah. And it's a little bit of the McVay thing, right? You know, Connell talks about how he's like McVay saw him as a potential head coach and was fine kind of helping him out and moving him on his way. Right. I mean, this is kind of part of that method. And I think that's right. It's like Zimmer's biggest name guy. And the guy who seemed most secure was, was North Turner. It seemed like North Turner was too old really to take a head coaching job at that point that, you know, like he Zimmer trusted him. It seemed like for a little bit and then went to Hugh Jackson and asked about what North Turner was doing. So he didn't trust him very long, but, um, and I think the other guy was John D Filippo and people knew him because he was the Philadelphia guy, right. Who they had stolen and brought over. Yeah. Um, but I think what O'Connell has done is although these guys are about in the same age range and probably think about football in some ways, pretty similarly, he has brought in different personalities, right? Like O'Connell, you talk about outgoing. Like I think of him, he's from San Diego. He's very like California, laid back, you know, yeah. happy, happy guy. Again, the Vikings were disciplined. It's not as though like they took penalties or there wasn't a lot of like, hey, this dude didn't show up for practice or whatever. Right. Um, but like he is, he's an outgoing kind of like 
he seems like a fun dude, uh, laid back. And then you have Wes Phillips, very wry, right? He's he's football genius. Come, you know, dad and and grandpa were were coaches, but kind of this wry, kind of little bit quieter guy, right? And then you think of Matt Daniels, charisma like for for ages, right? You know, like this, you're like the special teams coach of all people. You know what I mean? As this, but he he has a nickname for all the players, and he gets these guys to buy in on kind of him more than anything else, and you know whatever. Um, so I think this is an interesting mix. And I think good head coaches probably have different um, personalities. Right. And, and, and I think the hard thing is Zimmer always was going to be dominating because of who he was. He was right. so intense and he's you know obviously so football obsessed. And um, it just think of his personality, obviously compared to O'Connell's and it just, you could see it kind of overwhelmed. Like I think a Clint Kubiak, who again, put in a really weird situation is yeah. his dad had retired. His dad was a pretty big name had a lot of success in the NFL his first job he's working for Zimmer and he's scared that like if he suggests that they're getting Justin Jefferson more involved in the offense, he's going to get scolded behind the scenes or whatever. So um, I do think if, you know, we talk about O'Connell has to be um, prepared to kind of see what he doesn't know. Right. And we're talking about the defense in this case. He also needs to give Flores autonomy because Flores has run a team before and he has the credentials. Right. And I, I'm curious how that dynamic will work, because, again, I think it's smart to bring in a Belichick guy. But Flores is going to come in and go, I know what I'm doing. You know what I mean? Right. And you have to let me do my thing. And I, I think that's something to watch all year long, because Flores seems like one of the few belichick tree guys who actually kind of succeeded right away from it and it may be because he just like he didn't just have one role there it felt like mcdaniels had a specific role and some of these other guys who who've left and haven't had success were really good at one thing flores actually caught coach offense for a little bit coach special teams for a little bit right. um was a was an assistant which would imply that he kind of was looking at both sides of the ball at one point this is a it's a it's a very smart move because it's the right guy. It's risky in the sense that O'Connell has to be okay being a little hands off, I'm sure, and right, and be like, do your thing. And to be fair, I think with Donatel, he wanted to be hands off, and then by the Detroit game, he's like, dude, you have to blitz at some point. We can't. We, you, this is unsustainable to to run a defense this way. So maybe he's seeking this out. Maybe he wants someone who just lets does his thing and he, you know, kind of focuses on play calling and developing the offense. For sure. Yeah, we talk like a lot of about the players and the personnel, we, like we've mentioned, you know, the players that, that have gotten old that the players that are in place, um, that maybe Brian Flores can get the most out of. Um, I mentioned Harrison Smith, me and Tom talked about that. Obviously I feel like a popular name that started to really circulate. And he, he this was, he, pre, this predates Brian Flores. Um, this guy was a, 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 an exciting player towards the end of last year, just with the way he played the game. But if anyone who's on Vikings Twitter, like at any point, and, and there's different levels of Vikings Twitter, I'll just say, um, this name popped up as soon as Flores was hired. Um, and I am inclined to believe that Brian Flores will be able to get the most out of this player. Brian Asamoah is a, is a guy mm-hmm. that really excites me with, with um, you know, with Flores coming in. And, and look, I'm not going to sit here on this podcast and pretend like I know all the intricacies of this scheme. I mean, I've already said that. Um, but I do know in the most simplistic way of, of saying things, Brian Osamola might be the fastest linebacker I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And just thinking about a guy like that who plays not only with the speed, but just kind of with the reckless abandon that you like Brian Osamola last year, like if he was going to do a play, right, it was going to be at hundred miles per hour wrong. If he was going to make a mistake, it was going to be out of, out of you know, out of a hundred miles hundred miles per hour so like 
I think of that guy as someone and, and you look at Brian Flores, the way he, he disguises different things and sends different blitzes. Like he seems like a the, the ultimate chess piece, like where you can have this guy who plays linebacker, um, but you can send him on, an, on a, on a blitz through the a gap or, or you can drop him in coverage and have him run with the guy. Like he is someone who I think you're going to see a lot of, um, you know, like usage out of with, with Brian Flores kind of taking mm-hmm. over. And, and he's kind of a microcosm of, of, of the whole team at, at that point. Like maybe Eric Kendricks is, is old and can't run sideline to sideline anymore. Like he could early in his career, but maybe there, there there's ways that, that Brian Flores can use him where it, it's not so predictable that, that mm-hmm. you can just pick, pick on Aaron, you know, Eric Kendricks, which it's clear Dable and, and Kafka in, in the playoff game, they were picking on Eric Kendricks. They knew where Eric Kendricks was going to be and they threw into space and they said, tackle Saquon Barkley. You can't. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Uh, I, Brian Flores coming in, like Brian Osamo is the guy who excites me the most, I think. But like, it also kind of paves the way to like, how are, how is he going to use all of these guys? Because I, I think not only is the defense going to look a lot different next year, like the players on the defense are going to be used, you know, in different situations and in different ways than they were um, this offseason. This, yeah, because we. We talked about Harrison Smith. I got to imagine he has a better plan for him, right? And, it, like, Smith will never say anything about But, like, you got to imagine he was upset that he was just always in the backfield, right? Um, right. It may be also a, a nice voice for Cam Bynum, who I hold out hope for. And it just, yeah. again, this is a converted corner who, like, now is, like, on his third guy teaching him stuff. But, like, uh, you talked about Kendricks. Like, good coaches know how to use smart players, even though, again, we've seen some sort of physical decline as expected. Um with him the other thing is like he probably won't play daniel hunter out of water right there's they're just daniel hunter in my mind like it, you feel like you should be versatile because he's like the most in shape person you've ever seen right and he looks kind of lean in that he could catch up with like a tight end or he may just be a guy that needs to get after the quarterback and it's like he flores may just put him in a situation where like you know what i mean like your job is to get the quarterback don't worry about anyone behind you right and like i think part of his success is exactly that just like what is the capability of young players so you think of seen and booth who were hurt and that's going to mess with their development uh what can i get out of veterans like smith and if kendricks is around um and then um he's also probably broadly going to be like how am i going to if i don't have the cornerbacks i don't have xavier rhodes in his prime you know what yeah. i mean what do I, and he may just go, my thing is it's a little like Washington's strategy last year where they're like, we're just going to get after the quarterback, right? He's just not going to have enough time. And our guys should be able to um, avoid creating separation, right? Stick with the receivers for like two seconds. Right. Um, so I'm just, I'm curious what he does. I'm, I'm pretty confident for us. I'm less confident that like they'll have all the horses with, in terms of the talent on the defense. Um, and I still think we have to point out, I mean, I, you know, the offense has to be better. You know what I mean? Like it, it just does. And yeah. so um, there's still, there's still variables, but at least they took one away um, by, by bringing in fours. And, and again, as much as like people may be upset if he has a lot of success and leaves again, if he's part of the Vikings organization and he's bought in on what they're doing, he's going to be less inclined to take kind of a risky head head coach job. Right. I mean, there's, he could probably sit in this spot until he gets the right um, availability. And that availability just doesn't come around because there's so few good head coaching positions available. So I don't know. I was excited about the hire. I think it's a good point. I think he's just going to know how to use the personnel better. Yeah. And, and I think this whole podcast, especially this episode takes on a different tenor than if we were talking about Mike Pettin or, if, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, like that's no disrespect to Mike Pettin, but like, that's just the nature of it. When 
he was a part of the, you know, in the room that Ed Donatel's defense finished number 31st in the league last year. Mm -hmm. And whether Mike Pettin had, had a big role in that, or if he was just kind of in a more advisory role, he's going to be connected to that just because he was in the building. So, you know, like the fact that they brought Brian Flores in, I think gives people a lot of optimism, um, you know, moving into this off season. Um, but you know, there's going to be a ton of changes on the, on the defense. That's no, that's no secret. Um, we, we've talked about all these players that maybe Brian Flores can, can maximize. There's going to be changes. Some of these players might not be around. So I, I think the fact that like you got your coach in place, you got the guy that that's exciting the guy that you can kind of sell as, as hope for, you know, this, this is the defense is going to be better next year. And, and then you can go ahead and make the changes that as you see fit, you know, if you're the front office, um, the off season is starting off on, on, on a, on a good note. I think um, it could have been, if it was the opposite of if Flores takes the Arizona job and, and Petten's your only candidate and either you hire him or you're, you're scrambling to find another candidate. Um, you know, and, and, and that's the kind of the rocky note you start on, you know, and then you start getting rid of players. Like I, th- I think the off season probably takes on a completely different tenor. Um, they have Brian Flores in place. A lot of things are going to happen after this, um, but we're going to be along for every step of the way, you know, every, every step of the way. And um, when we come back on Friday, I think me and Tom are going to talk a little Super Bowl. but wanted to hop on here for sure and talk about Brian Flores obviously the biggest thing to happen this offseason so far a lot more to come um but until next time from tom schreier i'm Damian satani signing off Twenty Four Hundred sports is an odyssey company 